When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FT Welcome to the FT Money Show, bringing you all this week's money news in downloadable form. I'm Jonathan Ely, and this week we'll be devoting the entire programme to the hot topic of Scottish independence. At the start of this week, the Sunday Times threw a grenade into the Scottish referendum debate. It published a poll by YouGov showing, for the first time, a small lead for the Yes campaign, which favours independence for Scotland. The margins of error in such opinion polling are open to debate, but there is no question that the Better Together campaign, which wants to preserve a United Kingdom, has lost its once handsome lead in the opinion polls. The impact of that poll, and another one shortly after, was instant. Sterling fell against other currencies as financial markets reappraised the likelihood of a yes vote. Some Scots began to transfer money to accounts in England, fearing capital controls or just wary of the uncertainty. Politicians dropped everything and scuttled north to bombard Scotland with fraternal love. And titans of Scottish business, including Lloyds, RBS, Standard Life and BP, issued blunt statements that they would move some operations south in the event of a yes vote. And for the first time, investors in the rest of the UK are starting to wonder whether they need to take action to guard against the volatility and uncertainty that a yes vote, or even a close no vote, might bring. In this special referendum edition of The Money Show, we ask what might happen and whether there's really much that investors and homeowners can do ahead of the vote. I'm joined in the studio by Jane Sydenham, Investment Director at Rathbones, the Wealth Manager. Hello. And by David Hollingworth, a mortgage broker at London and Country Mortgages. Hello. Jane, let's start with investors. Many investors will hold funds or investment trusts that are uh, run by managers or, or by companies that are based in Scotland. Now, some of those companies have said they may move parts of their operation, for instance, Alliance Trust or Standard Life. And others uh, basically get, are saying they're going to wait and see how it all works out. So uh, Aberdeen and maybe Scottish Mortgage Trust. If you're an investor in the rest of the UK and you have a fund that's managed out of Scotland or run by a Scottish company, what happens if Scotland votes yes and you effectively own a product that's now registered in a foreign country? Well, I think it will take some time to know exactly what the implications are, but I suppose there are two main issues. One is tax and whether or not a new Scottish government would tax those funds in the way that investors in the UK are used to those funds being taxed. And then the other one is really the regulatory regime and whether or not that's sufficiently 
robust and protects investors in the way that they're they're used to having their funds protected. So, you know, those are the two key issues, really. And of course, the fund management groups themselves will be looking at those things pretty keenly. In the end, they have to think about the commercial returns for their investors, and they'll have to see what what develops. But those are the things I think investors should should be thinking about. Financial services is pretty big industry in Scotland. I mean, uh, investment trusts were, were practically invented there. Wouldn't the Scottish government be very foolish, really, to follow a sort of path of regulation or taxation in independent Scotland that differed radically from that in the UK or indeed in places like Dublin or Luxembourg, where many funds are also domiciled? Absolutely, they would. Uh, As you say, it's such an important industry, particularly up in in Edinburgh, but other parts of Scotland too, that clearly, unless they they want to damage that industry, they're going to have to make sure that the the regulatory standards and, and taxation are, you know, where they need to be. Let's turn to this um, issue of the the pound uh, weakening on the foreign exchange markets. Now, some people have said that as a result of that, investors should reposition um, themselves somewhat. For instance, that uh, if they have funds, then they should move into unhedged uh, units that that, um, allow exposure to weaker sterling and that they should pick shares that uh, that have large uh, amounts of revenue from overseas, which will, of course, be worth more uh, if the pound weakens. Is that an exercise that's worth doing or do you think that's that's fiddling around a bit too much? I think it is fiddling around a bit too much. Predicting the movements of currencies is notoriously difficult and very often, you know, when, when a currency is over or undervalued, it continues being so for, for quite some time, despite all the talk about that fundamental over or undervaluation. I think what's more important is that investors stick with a strategy and a selection of investments that are appropriate for their circumstances and their risk profile. Generally, we would say to most of our clients that having some overseas exposure makes sense because of the, the the varying fortunes of different economies. And, and with that comes a diversification of currency exposure. Uh, and equally, many UK companies are, are very international in nature anyway. But but I think it, the overriding factor should be, is that strategy and the selection of those investments appropriate for you? And I don't think it's right to worry too much about short-term currency movement. And what about companies with Scottish exposure? Earlier this week, uh, companies like Standard Life, uh, SSE and some of the larger banks, they saw their shares fall quite markedly when the opinion poll first came out. They've since rallied a little bit. Is it likely that they're going to face much greater risks as a result of independence? It's difficult to know whether there will be greater risks, but what there might be is a period of uncertainty. And of course, it's uncertainty that usually causes share price volatility. Coming back to your point about the the investment management industry and wanting to make sure that it doesn't ruin its own prospects. Well, I mean, the same is going to be true for a number of companies who are already in in Scotland. But it's that period of uncertainty that, that investors have got to accept. Is that alone a reason for, for sort of reducing exposure? or Is it just something we have to tough out? Well, I think if you had a very large and perhaps an overly large exposure to Scottish companies, you ought to be thinking about reducing that. But if it were just part of a, of a normal balanced fund and the underlying trading for those investments or companies was good, then I don't think you, you, know, you should have too much concern unless you're a very active trader. If the vote is no, which I think is what most um, people still expect, but it, the result is very close... Do you think that could affect business sentiment particularly in the medium to long term, rather uh, as it apparently did in Canada in the aftermath of the Quebec referendum, where the result was so close that businesses um, sort of thought twice about committing investment to that part of Canada uh, for years afterwards? 
I think that is a risk. I mean, although we are, of course, all being told that a vote, a yes vote is a permanent thing, a no vote may still lead to further pressure at some point. I mean, it'll probably go away for a while. But clearly, if it's very close, then, you know, there's a reasonable appetite for change. So, so yes, I think it is likely it will come back again. And whether or not that's going to cause any reassessment of investment implications, well, I think time will tell. But I think I would be asking myself various questions if I was thinking about large and very expensive capital projects that that involve commitment over many years. You know, that's something that companies might think twice about. And finally, Jane, uh, Rathbones is is a significant player in the wealth management industry. I expect you have many clients in Scotland and obviously in the rest of the UK. Have you seen a, a sort of big uptick in concerned people ringing you up and saying, well, do I need to do anything? Should I move my cash south? Uh, should I close my accounts in Scotland and, and things like that? Certainly, we've had conversations from individuals who are concerned about money with the Scottish banks. And of course, the likelihood is, the strong likelihood would be that the, the UK government will come out and guarantee any deposits. So I don't think there's a uh, an immediate cause for concern. However, obviously, you know, if you have a very small institution and, and investors start to, to take lots of money out, then actually it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But we have had, certainly uh, clients have been expressing concern. Thanks very much, Jane. Let's turn now to the issue of property and mortgages. Scotland, of course, already has a different method of buying and selling residential property, and from next year it will also have a different way of taxing it too. The Scottish Government is replacing stamp duty with a more graduated land and property tax, although the rates and bans have yet to be announced. But what would a yes vote mean for homeowners north of the border? Let's bring in our second guest, David Hollingworth, a mortgage broker at London and Country. David, I guess a lot of this revolves around whether Scotland would have its own currency and its own central bank. And these are issues that have already provoked some very passionate debate and we don't really know the answers yet. But as far as we can gauge, would interest rates in an independent Scotland be higher or lower than in the rest of the UK? Well, there's lots of debate about whether borrowing costs for Scotland would increase. If it did, that would undoubtedly feed through ultimately, I think, to the mortgage rates that are on the shelf for borrowers. As far as currency goes, of course, that's one of the key questions. If if there is to be a new currency, what will happen with existing borrowers who've got their current mortgage denominated in sterling, but suddenly would be earning their income in a new currency and therefore suddenly be exposed to exchange rate fluctuation. So their monthly payments could actually be rising and falling just depending on what's happening with exchange rates, let alone what's happening with interest rates. Is it the case that 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 would be how it would work or would it be as it was, for instance, when the euro was introduced, when sort of outstanding debts in in lira or deutschmarks or francs were just converted into euros at that point in time and and that was it? Uh, And that would be the way to remove that problem for the individual to allow for a conversion of that mortgage. But of course, this is where all the uncertainty lies. Will lenders undergo that process? It's quite a complicated Uh, process to administer? Will they allow Scottish borrowers to elect to switch into the new currency and therefore remove themselves from that exchange rate risk? You would feel that that would be a sensible approach to take. But again, it's anybody's guess at this stage. Of course, very uncertain for the individual if your sort of mortgage payments are fluctuating month to month um, because because of exchange rate movements, but also quite risky, I would have thought, for the 
for the lender, you know, especially over a, a 20, 25-year term of a loan. Amid that kind of uncertainty, might some smaller lenders in particular just decide to stop lending in Scotland? Yeah, so although lenders um, can deal with the, the different infrastructure that's already in place, so the different legal system, etc., they do lend in Scotland, I think inevitably if we see questions around the regulatory structure as well, whether that's going to become a case of certainly with smaller lenders that they might review their position as to whether to lend in that market full stop um, and some of the smaller ones may be more likely to withdraw from the Scottish market. As a consequence, of course, what that means for the individual borrower is that there's less competition in the market between lenders, uh, which is ultimately generally a good thing for, for borrowers on the street. We're already hearing uh, sort of anecdotally that the property market in some areas of Scotland has practically ground to a halt already because of all this uh, uncertainty. Would you expect house prices generally uh, north of the border to fall if there is a yes vote? Or do you think that uh, in places, for instance, like Aberdeen, where values have been very um, strong, that, that they would be immune from that? Uh, well, you can understand why um, potential home buyers might be thinking let's wait and see what happens with the referendum to get a feel for how the landscape might look. So you can understand why it might have paused for breath for, at the moment. Um, but of course, people need to buy houses. The, the other question is, is whether there's a um, migration of jobs southward. Does that mean that actually it's going to provoke a fall in prices because there isn't just quite such a, a keen market in Scotland? And finally, I'm going to ask you a similar question to the one I asked Jane a moment ago. If the result is no, but the result is very close, does that leave a sort of lingering uncertainty that might be reflected in mortgage rates and house prices going forward? I think, to be honest, people will get on with things. We're talking about buying homes at the end of the day, so people can't just sit on the fence waiting to see whether another referendum might take place in five or even ten years. So I don't think it will paralyse the, the Scottish market forever. And I still think that no matter which way it goes, there will be major lenders that are still clearly lending in, in Scotland. Thanks very much. That was David Hollingworth of London and Country Mortgage Brokers. Now, as you're no doubt aware, coverage of the Scottish referendum debate has dominated the news this week. And you can read lots more about the possible consequences in this weekend's FT Money. We've looked not only at investments and mortgages, but also at taxation and pensions, and tried to answer as many practical questions as we can think of. For online readers, we have put our Scotland coverage in front of the ft.com paywall, so you can read it all for free at ft.com forward slash money. And we'd love to know what you think too. Do please email us. The address is money at ft.com. Elsewhere in this weekend's paper, we look at why mortgage rates are actually falling, even though speculation is growing about a rise in the Bank of England's interest rate. The oil price fell below $100 a barrel this week. What does that mean if you own shares like BP or Shell? And I look at why the biggest risk that many savers could be running is that they are playing it too safe, keeping too much money in cash instead of investing it. We'll be back next week in the normal Money Show format, but for now it's goodbye from me and my two special studio guests, Jane Sydenham and David Hollingworth. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.